This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 ESPN. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being presented by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And the goal that we have is to give our listeners the real facts and the real stats about our our market. We want to give you this information so we can help you make good, informed decisions. And there is a game changer or two coming on the November ballot for California housing. So we thought here at Welcome Home Radio we should give you the real facts, the real stats, and, and some really good information so that when you go to the ballots, you're going to know what to do about Proposition 5 and 10. So, it's not like I know everything about this, but I do know a lot of people. And one of them is all the way from Sacramento, Christopher Carlisle, a legislative advocate for the California Association of Realtors. Welcome. Don, well, thank you for having me uh, here today, and I really appreciate this opportunity to talk to your listeners about these two propositions. And you seem so calm and everything. It's because you have a little radio background. Tell us about that. (laughs) Well, in college, I uh, worked both as a a reporter and a newscaster. So, uh, But it's been 40 years uh, since I've done this. So, Okay. Well, it's (laughs) been seven days for me, so we're going to do just fine. Um, let's start off. Oh, okay. Propositions five and ten are going to be on the ballot. Prop five is actually being sponsored by the California Association of Realtors. Is that fair to say? That's right. We gathered the signatures, uh, and submitted those to the, um, Secretary of State. They, uh, said that we had enough. And so we are now on the ballot as Proposition five. And that's going to have to do with, um, maybe we'll call it a little bit of reform. For Proposition 13, I would I, I like to think of it as expanding the benefits of Prop 13, so that when you move, you keep your Prop 13 property tax savings. Okay, um, why don't we talk about Prop 13? Let, uh, because and that's been in place for I believe 40 years. 40 years now, so a lot of mm-hmm. folks aren't familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the look on someone's face uh, about a week ago. They're from out of state, and they were asking about, well, what are the taxes on a house like that? And I said, well, it's a $300,000 home, so it would be right about $3,000. They couldn't believe it. She goes, I heard taxes in California were outrageous. I said, well, except for property taxes, yeah. And that used to be the case with property taxes up until Prop 13. Prop 13, what it did is it it limits your property taxes to 1% of the acquisition value. So making it easy, let's say you, you purchase a home for 100000 1% of that is $1,000. And that's what you would pay annually from there on out. Now, your assessment can increase by 2% a year. So your property taxes you know, can increase a bit, but not much. The, the easiest way to think about it, it's 1% of the acquisition value. Okay, and when we say 2% a year in dollar amounts, if it was $3,000 this year, next year it could be $3,060. Exactly. So, yeah, different than the 1% of the total value. Um, I don't, okay, you're probably younger than me, but I remember prior to Prop 
13. I remember as a kid, my poor mom crying when she opened up the property tax bill. And the tax assessor had uh, had a sharp increase in property taxes that year uh, that they could do at their own, I don't want to say at their own whim, at their own need. But, you know, they, they needed more money to balance the budget. So it's like, well, let's just up everybody's property tax bill 300 bucks. They were able to do that back then. Exactly so. And so you didn't know from year to year what increases you might face. And that was the primary argument for Prop 13. Let's not tax seniors out of their homes. Let's let them know in advance how much they're going to have to pay every year. Because mm-hmm. that was my mother's fear, is that how are we going to pay for this? It came as a surprise. Um, but now there should be no surprise. And, and in a way, I want to say it's almost like a fixed-rate mortgage rather well, than an adjustable-rate mortgage. Exactly so, because while it, it, there's that 2% that we talked about, but you can, it's not much, so you can ignore it, you pretty much know what it's going to be year to year, and you don't have to guess about it. You can budget for it. You can afford it. Mm-hmm. Now, Prop 13, though, is not just for seniors, right? It's for all properties. All property. And the, the important thing to uh, recall about Prop 13 is that as your property increases in value, your property taxes don't also increase as significantly. So what I hear what you're saying, and, and out on the street selling real estate, we hear this a lot. People say, well, my house must be worth 200000 because my tax assessment said 200000 but not the case. Right. The, you know, the uh, purchase price is generally assumed to be the assessed value, and that's always the starting point. Mm-hmm. And so, again, if you purchased your home for 100,000, that's what the, you know, that's the assumed market value, and that's what your taxes are going to be based on. Okay, now, and that was 40 years ago, so I could see where we're going with this. Somebody who's owned a house for 40 years has a pretty low tax base, because in 40 years, we've had appreciation, we've had inflation, bucking what it used to be, and so now uh, maybe you can sell a home for three hundred thousand that was assessed that maybe you originally bought at a hundred thousand. Exactly so. And um, if you let's say you sold your home for three hundred thousand and you went and bought another home for three hundred thousand, um, your taxes would be based again on that acquisition value, um, absent some propositions that we'll get into in a in a bit, but. If you you know sell that home and then go buy another one, your taxes are going to go up. Okay, so then the, Prop 13 came about in 1978. I think it was called the Jarvis Gann Initiative. That's right. Um, I think there were a lot of doomsday people out there. I remember them because at that time I was in college, and I remember people saying, "Oh my gosh, the state of California is going to go under because now they won't have the taxes to pay for things." Well, I think the last 40 years have proven that the state's not going to go under because of Prop 13. We, we're still here. We didn't get washed into the ocean. Uh, it's interesting to, to look at the uh, legislative analysts' uh, estimates with regard to property tax losses. Uh, they said it was going to be a $7 billion loss, and that was 40 years ago. You're, you're talking something on the order of $25 billion. Clearly, that didn't happen. Uh, it, it wasn't the, the doom that everyone were, was expecting. 
I remember a very, very wise man one time told me that if you lower taxes, that opens up the market and creates more income and, and more taxable events. That very, very wise man was my economics teacher back in high school. So um, I, I would say uh, that, that should be basic, basic information there. But then along came Proposition 60 and 90. Can you tell us what those did to Prop 13? Yeah. Uh, so first off with Prop 60, and that was approved by the voters in 1986. That lets someone that's a senior or permanently disabled within their own county transfer their property tax base. So let me give you an example. Let's say you buy at 100000 20 years have now moved, uh, have passed. Uh, you sell at uh, 300000 let's say. Under Prop 60, you would be able to go and buy another $300,000 home. It has to be equal to or less than the price of the home you sold and transfer your property tax base. So let's say you bought a $300,000 home. You'd be able to keep your your $100,000 assessment from your original home and so your property taxes wouldn't increase even though you moved to a home. Of, uh, moved to home. So it was eight years later that this the senior clause is put in there. So Prior, from 1978 to 86, there was nothing, no benefit there for the seniors. It, w- it was just for all properties. Property That's right. Came. So if a, if a senior individual moved, uh, their taxes weren't based on what the home they left. They were based on the home they acquired. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, I could see for seniors who are, well, on Social, social Security, uh, retirement, fixed incomes, where uh, being able to fix your property tax base would probably be important to those seniors. Right, because if they can move their property tax base, then they, uh, we refer to that as the, the moving penalty, where if you move to another uh, another home, all of a sudden, uh, absent Prop 60, your property taxes are going to go up because it's, again, based on the acquisition value of that home. And then along came Prop 90. When was that? Prop 90 was two years later, um, and that was approved by the voters in 1988. And it's kind of, it's like Prop 60, but instead of within a county, it allows, uh, seniors and the permanent disabled to transfer their property tax base to another county. Now the problem with Prop 90 is that there's only 11 counties that will accept those kind of transfers of the 58 counties. Here in the Valley, um, I don't know of any that do. So, um, Yeah, the closest you've got are uh, El Dorado County and Tuolumne, uh, a little north of you. Uh, out on the coast, you've got San Mateo County. But most of the counties that accept Prop 90 are in Southern California, San Diego, Ventura, L.A., uh, Orange, Okay, so they will, <clears throat> excuse me, they will allow those inter-county transfers. Exactly but so. But only 11 of 58, so I take it it's voluntary on the county part. Right. It's up to the Board of Supervisors, those five members of the Board of Supervisors, to decide whether to allow folks to move into their county. So the way I put it, it's up to three members of the Board of Supervisors, because that's the majority, to decide whether you can move into their county. Okay, and so Prop 5 is going to make some changes to that, and we'll talk about that when we get back from our first commercial break. But stay uh, stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN. 
Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. Visiting with us in the studio today, all the way from Sacramento, California, is Christopher Carlisle, a legislative advocate for the California Association of Realtors. And we've been talking property taxes in our first segment, the famous Proposition 13, and two uh, tag-ons that came onto that, Prop 60 and 90. Well, now there's a new proposition that you're going to see on the November ballot. And um, I'll start it off with this. We encourage you to vote yes. We think it'll be really helpful for California housing. Now, that's my opinion. But to back it up, Christopher Carlisle here is going to tell us what Prop 5 is all about and and why it's good. Prop 5 is an expansion of... uh Propositions 13 and 60 and 90 that we discussed in the first segment. Um, it will allow you to do a property uh, tax-based transfer anywhere in the state. So you'd be able to move to a- uh, any of the 58 counties. It will allow you to do it any number of times. Under Prop 60 and Prop 90, it's a, a one-time benefit right now. And, you know, folks are living longer and longer into their 90s. And so they need to be able, as their life circumstances change, to move. Uh, and the final thing is that under Prop 60 and Prop 90, the replacement home can't exceed the value of the home you sold. So we're allowing you under Prop 5 to purchase a home of any price and keep your property, t- uh, Prop 13 savings. I think that's the big one, the price, because prices have gone up throughout the state of California. And maybe if you've owned a home for 15, 20 years, um, you would actually have to downsize dramatically to get an equal or lesser price on the new home. Yeah, I would challenge anybody that's lived 15 or 20 years in their community uh, let's say you're living, I don't know, in a 2,000 square foot home. Try and find something that's smaller and will cost less. You know, time just marches on. You know, when I grew up, uh, a pack of gum was five cents and a, a, a comic was, a comic book was 10 cents. You had 15 cents, you were set. But I'm amazed at how much things cost now. Time marches on and things just get more expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll tell the story of some people that I had last year that sold their $380,000 home here in Fresno County. The reason they wanted to move to Sacramento is to be closer to their uh, grandchildren so that they could be their grandchildren's after-school daycare, which I think socially has a huge significance. Um, you know, that, that grandparents have got to be better. Uh, ask any kid. They're going to say, yeah, my grandparents spoil me. So, of course, it, it, it's better. Um, but they, um, first of all, they would not have been able to do it because uh, it's a uh, transfer to a different county. And uh, here's what they said, because I gave this proposal to them. In fact, they, they actually signed our ballot petition because we needed to get so many signatures to get on there. And she made the comment that, yeah, the, even if we could have done it, even if our two counties would have cooperated, um, it still wouldn't have worked because 380000 was going to buy them not a very, uh, not an equal home or even a little bit lesser home 
in Sacramento County. They would have had to significantly drop. And then maybe the parents didn't want the grandkids going over there because <laughs> it wasn't a nice place. Yeah. One of the things we've been accused about uh, of is that we're trying to uh, allow people to buy, wealthy people to buy more expensive homes. And as, as we just discussed, it's hard to, to buy a replacement home and have it cost less. Um, the important thing to remember here is, and let's, let's use an example. Let's say you buy at 100000 you sell at 300000 and you buy at 350000 Under Prop 60, Prop 90, you wouldn't be able to do that transfer. Under Prop 5, what we do is we take that difference between your sales price, your 300000 and your uh, replacement price, the 350, that $50,000 base uh, difference, we add to the original base of 100. So now you have a $150,000 tax base in a $350,000 home. So you're, you're able to do that transfer. You're going to pay for it, but you also keep your original Prop 13 savings. So the way I see this, if I was the county tax collector, I think I might like this because it might encourage people to move. I'm not going to lose, as a tax collector now, I'm not going to lose money because how do you lose on something you already have? So that we already got that, that tax base, but they're going to pay the new tax base on anything over. So you almost want them, to, you want to encourage them to buy more. Exactly so. And the other half of that is that home that was left by the, uh, the seller, it gets reassessed to full market. Uh, the legislative analyst has said that Prop 5 will encourage tens of thousands of additional transactions here. These are people that are sitting in homes and they're paying much less than their, their value. If we can get those empty nesters to move out, those homes get reassessed. That's more money for government and schools. I see that. And possibly if it wasn't, if we weren't going through an era where the baby boomers um, have a lot of homes right now. Maybe this isn't so significant, but, I mean, we're in an era where baby boomers are retiring, wanting to move, uh, maybe because the knees aren't what they used to be, <laughs> going up that up the stairs of a two-story home aren't so good anymore. They'd like to move, but, gosh, I mean, if it's going to end up costing you an extra couple thousand dollars per year in additional tax, that's going to deter people from moving. Yeah, we refer to that as the moving penalty. Uh, and, you know, a five or $10,000 difference in taxes every year, that's a significant thing. And the, we've done polling on this. Homeowners are very aware of that moving penalty if they move. Did our listeners notice that me from Fresno County, I said a $2,000 difference. Christopher from Sacramento says five or 10000 It's probably, that's what we relate to, right? <laughs> yeah, it's all local markets. Uh, and uh, it's amazing to me when you see uh, what things cost in San Francisco or in L.A. versus Fresno. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we do live in a very diverse state, that's for sure. Not just... Um, uh, ethnically, not just economically, but also housing-wise. I mean, an average price of a home in Fresno County is under 300000 I saw the cheapest home in San Francisco right now the, on the market is at 650000 It's basically a teardown. And um, 
the, the uh, agent is saying, well, it'll probably be bought by an investor, torn down, and they're just actually buying the land. And that's double, more than double what our average home is here in Fresno. Yeah. You know, the issue uh, that we see is we want to make more efficient use of the housing stock that we now have. And if we can get those empty nesters, and our research shows that almost 75% of senior homeowners have not moved in this century. In other words, they haven't moved since the year 2000. Half of them have been in their homes for a quarter of a century. So they're very aware of the moving penalty. We want to eliminate that moving penalty, get them to move out of their home that's too large for them, get that young family moving in that's just starting out. So once again, looking at this from the tax collector standpoint, you bring out a very good point. So that home on Pine Street, let's say, that maybe right now is being taxed at a, or assessed at $100,000, but worth 300. When the new family buys it, that value is going to go to 300,000. Um, uh, taxable, um, the property tax base would move to 300,000. So the tax assessor should be happy with that. Um, then those seniors then move to another place and let's say they spend 400,000. Well, they get to move their base over to the first 300000 but now they're going to pay more on the extra 100000 So to me, that sounds like the county tax collector should be happy about that. And not only that, but um, the, the community should too because yeah. it, it's raising movement is causing spending, which is causing a new taxable event. Yeah, uh, the, the cost of Prop 5 has been put at 100 million for local governments, 100 million for schools, uh, but that needs to be put in the, you know, we hear hundreds of millions. Well, 600 billion is, uh, generated annually in property taxes. So this is a very, very small loss, and it's only with regard to property taxes. The legislative analysts, when they did their analysis, uh, they do what's called a static analysis. So they only look at property taxes. They don't look at, for example, capital gains when you sell your home. Uh, they don't look at the repairs that most folks do when either they are about to sell their home or about to buy their home. So now you've got sales tax on all the things that they might be buying. We did, an, we hired the, the Berkeley Research Group, which is made up of former director of uh, the LAO, the legislative analyst, uh, Dr. Bill Hamm, and uh, Senator Tom Campbell, who was the former director of finance. And they said, if you do a more dynamic analysis, the state's not going to lose any money. Can I get you to go back to some really big numbers there that it's taking me a while to process? Okay. <laughs> but you said property tax generates $600 billion? There's a $600 billion, uh, and You know, you can fi- figure that the state relies primarily on um, uh, income tax, and the budget's about $150 million, um, excuse me, a billion a year. All of the, the counties, it's about, about $600 billion. Uh, in property taxes. So when they, the legislative analyst office says we're going to lose a hundred million in comparison to six hundred billion, exactly that, that so. isn't very much. It's not very much, and particularly that's statewide. So any county would lose much less. Any particular uh, special district would use. Uh, it would be a minimal amount. 
I got you. Okay. Well, I think that's important to know because, I mean, to me, $100 million sounds like a lot, but in comparison, that's a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Things always have to be put in context. Yeah. Thank you. Keep that in mind as we go to our next commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN. Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio with us, we have Christopher Carlisle from the California Association of Realtors, a legislative advocate. And um, I know that's a newer version of the song, but if you remember back to the, what, the 50s or 60s, um, California, here you come, there was people flooding into California, the land of opportunity. And um, I think we're trying to keep it that way with some of the, the new initiatives we have. And Prop 5, which is being sponsored by the California Association of Realtors, which means it's good for housing. It, it, it's good. It's been well thought out. Um, I know a little bit about this because I was in many, many meetings at uh, amongst uh, the state directors discussing the pros and the cons and should we do this and what about this and that. And then, of course, there's always our great staff like Christopher that um, are involved in this. So I personally am going to recommend that a vote, a yes vote on Prop 5. But let's continue to hear the, the good parts and maybe the bad parts of Prop 5 and what well, it means. Don, nobody really uh, has any problem with seniors and the permanently disabled moving wherever they want and keeping their uh, their property tax base. Really, the only issue is the cost, and we addressed that in your last segment. This is a good deal all the way around. It's not going to lose the state any money, and it allows seniors and the disabled to move to a uh, a home that's more suitable for their needs, smaller, requires lower maintenance. And one of the things that um, I'd like to point out here is we think builders will respond to that demand. You know, right now when you uh, put in a shovel in the ground for a single-family home, the permits, whatnot, can run 80, 90, 100,000. But if you're doing multifamily uh, housing, uh, smaller units, you don't require any yard maintenance, whatnot, this is what we think builders will do in response to the passage of Prop 5. So you think this will spur new building? Exactly so. Which we drastically need. Um, and I don't remember the numbers, but I believe in the state of California, even after the recession, we've still, we're still only building, what, 50-60% of the housing stock that we need to accommodate our growth. We're very, very far behind, and we're falling further and further behind. Um, unless we do something soon, uh, there's going to be trouble. <laughs> sure, because I'll bet you between 2006 and 2013 or 14, we were probably building less than 10% of what we needed because um, we were in that recession. And uh, so that means that now we should be building double what we need to catch up, but we're not even doing that. We're not even close. And that's part of the reason for Prop 5 is just more efficient use of the housing stock we have. So if you have an empty nester, let's get rid of that moving penalty so that they're encouraged to move out and make that home available for a younger family. 
back to that economics class in high school. I still, and by the way, I learned that again in college too. So I think it, it, it really is a good principle is the government has the ability to thwart growth or spur growth through tax. Um, you know, the, the reducing of tax or the increase in tax. Um, and so I think that's something to consider that by, um, and in this case, Prop 5 is really not reducing tax. It's just allowing you to keep rather than lower. Yeah, it allows you to keep your, your Prop 13 property tax savings is mm-hmm. the way I like to put it. Yeah, and of course, that's for seniors, and it's kind of like McDonald's. 55 is the senior year, not 65 or 75. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I, I just could not do it for a while. I couldn't take that senior discount at McDonald's when I was 55. It's like, oh, I can't accept that. <laughs> now I do. <laughs> um, okay, so the California Association of Realtors is really behind this because it feels like um, it's going to be a great thing for the state of California in housing. But I understand there's three different avenues that they're approaching to get there. Tell us about that. Yeah, the, the California Association, Association of Realtors are, is being relentless on this issue. Uh, we have been working on it for about a dozen years. We are going to get it one way or another. Um, so we have Prop 5 on the ballot that's uh, on the ballot in November. We have a second track that we, we, we call our legislative alternative. And recall that, as we discussed earlier, there's a, a cost that's been uh, tagged with Prop 5 we had proposed offsetting that cost by making reforms to the intergenerational transfer laws. Right now, uh, and these were under propositions that were passed in the late 90s, so about 10 years after Prop 60 and Prop 90, these allow uh, a parent or grandparent to transfer a home of any price to a child or grandchild and an additional um, $1 million in real property. There is no requirement that the child or grandchild live in the home. They can rent it out. And so this has been getting a lot of attention recently uh, in the Los Angeles Times and the uh, uh, San Francisco Chronicle that we need to do something about this. Okay. And, and that's, you say, on the legislative side. So we're we're also approaching this, the California Association of Realtors is approaching this through the legislature also, and that is what, in case Prop 5 doesn't make it. Well, it's, it's, in case, it's, it's in case Prop 5 doesn't make it, but it's also, we want to signal to the unions that we're not going to go away on this. Um, we tried to get this legislative alternative introduced uh, prior to the June deadline. The, they recently have changed the... Um, the process for initiatives and propositions. Now you can qualify an initiative for the ballot, and then there's a window of opportunity where you can try and work out a deal with the legislature. And if you're able to work out a deal with the legislature, the proponents can then pull it off. We tried to do that in June by coupling the portability that we've been discussing, the portability of the property tax base, with reforms to the intergenerational transfer laws. Um, I was astounded. And I worked in the building. I worked in the Capitol for members of the legislature for over 20 years. 
the uh, the firefighters union, which is kind of leading the charge among all the unions against Prop 5, sent out an email to all the offices of the legislature telling them not to introduce legislation. And I find this that, that the realtors are looking to have introduced. And I find this audacious that they would do something because it's always been the case that you introduce the legislation and then you start talking and horse trading. But to send out an email saying don't even introduce it. Luckily, we have one member of the legislature that stood up, uh, Kathleen Gal- Senator Kathleen Galgiani out of Stockton, and she just introduced uh, the uh, legislative alternative last week in the last week of the session. So now she's positioned well on both portability and intergenerational transfers for next year if Prop 5 doesn't uh, pass. Tough question, but why would the unions not like this? They see that um, there is a decline in money going to to the special districts, so your fire districts, your police, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, but as we discussed earlier, if you do a dynamic analysis, um, there won't be that hit to the revenues that the legislative analysts predicted. Okay. Now, we talk about static and dynamic analysis I'm just going to give you my own analysis, which I, to me, it's like, from what I know, this is going to spur growth. And so um, I never thought of myself as a dynamic thinker, but spurring growth means more taxable events. It's got to increase taxes. Exactly so. Exactly. Your, your analysis, your, your econ teacher would be proud of you. Uh, that's exactly the case. He's a guy that told me I'd never amount to much. <laughs> well, you clearly proved him wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the time he was right. <laughs> yeah. But when you, you know, when you make a change like Prop 5, you need to look at all the changes, not just property taxes. You need to look at income taxes, sales taxes. And when you look at the impact on the economy, you'll see that we'll be fine. It's a wash. Mm-hmm. Tell us more about intergenerational transfer. So, in other words, that we're talking about property tax. So, when that senior passes on, they get to keep their property tax base? Well, it's not just seniors. Uh, so it's any parent or grandchild, and, and it's not when they pass. They can do it beforehand. Uh, you know, uh, Jeff Bridges has recently become the poster child for this issue. Uh, his parents, Lloyd Bridges, and we all remember him from uh, the TV show he had, um, you know, they bought their home in the 50s. Jeff Bridges inherits that. Uh, and now he's paying his parents' property tax bill, but charging $15,000 a month so that you can rent that home. And so a lot of people are saying, well, well, wait a minute. Seems like you should be, you should be required to live in the home if you're going to get that tax break. And that's what the realtors are saying. You have to live in the home if you're going to get that tax break. All right. Good. And that's the legislative approach. Now there's a third one. Tell There's a third that. one. Uh, we have also filed for the November 2020 ballot, and that has the portability provisions, that has the intergenerational transfers, and it also has split role. Um, California Association of Realtors is opposed to split role. And let me just describe, let me take a minute to describe what split role is. Split role would tax commercial property, so businesses and the like, they would pay at a higher rate than residential. 
CAR is opposed to that, thinking that all property should be taxed in the same way. Now, one of the things that the proponents often point to with regard to split role is the sh- what we refer to as kind of the shenanigans that companies can engage in. When you transfer a company, if you transfer less than 50%, its property will not be re- reassessed. So what some folks do is they transfer, for example, a third, a third, a third. They avoid reassessment. We're saying, no, no, no. If you transfer up to 90%, doesn't matter what sizes uh, or portions, that's a transfer, and the property owned by that company has to get reassessed. So that's part of our November 2020 ballot initiative, which will put us opposite full-blown split roll, which is going to be on the same ballot. I got gotcha. you. With that, we are going to another commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 ESPN. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and Christopher, Christopher Carlisle of the California Association of Realtors as our guest. And um, Bobby, you're doing a great job today on the on the bumper music. Gotta admit. <laughs> All right, I just thought California, here you come, would be appropriate for today because we're talking about rejuvenating and sustaining the growth in California because that's what that song was all about. People coming here, they wanted to come here. The beautiful weather, the beautiful beaches, the beautiful cities, and affordable living, Um, not to mention the gold rush, but that goes back maybe a little bit before my time. But there is another proposition besides Prop 5, which we were encouraging you to consider a yes vote on. There's another one going the other way that we're hoping you consider a no vote on. That's Proposition 10. 10 has to do with repealing the Costa-Hawkins Act. Now, and that was back in uh, the mid-90s, and some of our listeners will remember we had Congressman Jim Costa on the show, along with former Assemblyman Phil Hawkins on the same show, talking about why and how they put that that bill together and got it passed. Um, maybe if Christopher, if you could tell us a little bit about what Costa Hawkins is and why Prop 10 wants to repeal it. Okay, so yes, Prop 10, Proposition 10 would repeal Costa Hawkins, and it's important to keep kind of all of this straight because sometimes you can get uh, confused where a yes means no and a no means yes. Uh, so Costa Hawkins, what it says is you can have rent control under Costa Hawkins, but there are three provisions uh, that pertain here. One is uh, there's uh, vacancy decontrol. So when that unit becomes en- empty, the landlord can raise the rent. Okay. The second is it doesn't apply to new construction. And the reason for that is if it applied to new construction, guess what would happen? Builders Nobody wouldn't would build. build. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't build already, and it would become, it would make the problem even worse. And then finally, it doesn't apply to single homes. You know, generally speaking, those are mom and pop type operations. Somebody's inherited a home. They really just want to break even, uh, until they can sell it. Um, they're not out to, you know, gouge anybody or anything like that. So, 
and I went through that because a lot of people are saying, oh, vote yes on Prop 10 so that we can have rent control. And that is completely wrong. You can have rent control now. L.A. has rent control, for example, and they re- operate under those three provisions that I mentioned earlier. Well, and this may surprise a lot of people in Fresno County, or the city of Fresno, and that is we have rent control here for mobile home parks. Um, and that was passed, I believe, back in the early 90s. Um, now, interesting to note, ever since that passed, there has been no new mobile home parks built. Why would an investor want to uh, invest millions of dollars developing a nice park when, uh, you know, rents are out of their control? Yeah. You know, as we talked, uh, I like to draw this analogy. Uh, Earlier, we were talking about Prop 13 and how it made your property taxes predictable. You knew that... They were gonna, there's, there were going to be a limit on it, and that you weren't going to get these large increases. Well, this is kind of the flip side of that, where if you build and you have uh, rent control that applies to new uh, construction, you don't know that you're going to be able to make it pencil out. You don't know that you're going to be able to charge the rents that you're going to you know, need to charge to pay for that building. So you're going to decide not to build it. Either that or build a really downscaled, bare and austere place where you, you might be able to pencil it out. But, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, maybe. But then there goes the quality of life for the tenant. And, and tenants do, um, gosh, they're close to 50% of the population. Um, and they certainly have rights and they certainly have a right to good, decent housing. But if laws, squash that, I feel sorry for them. Yeah. You know, the investor will find somewhere else to invest money. Yeah, and this is one of the reasons, for example, the NAACP is in opposition to uh, Prop 10, while the construction workers are in opposition to Prop 10. They recognize that this is going to impact the ability of builders to build new housing. Well, I, they must have gone to that same civics, cl- or not civics, but um, economics class I did. Yeah, you cannot constrain somebody and then expect them to produce also. Um, so, uh, and, and, and I want to throw out something else, too. Rent control is a subsidy by a private individual. It's not the government saying, here, I know you're having downtime, so... Here, you know, we're going to put you on temporary uh, welfare or uh, AFDC. This is a private individual who owns property being forced to subsidize another family that they probably don't even know. And that, you know, there a lot of times we think about, uh, you know, rent control being for the um, uh, less well-off. And, you know, you go look at New York, and there are some people very well off paying rent-controlled prices for their very nice apartments in New York City. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have a family member, and and she's totally against rent control. She knows exactly what it is. That's because I'm her brother. (laughs) But she only pays $850 a month in San Francisco for for her apartment. But she's been there 30-some years. 35 years. Um, so she's a true beneficiary. Now, somebody down the hallway at this apartment place may pay 4000 a month. 
So somebody subsidizing someone else. Yeah, you, you have winners and you have losers when you have rent control. And if you've been there a long time, you're a winner. If you're new to the market, you're a loser. <laughs> and my thought is with rent control, and by the way, if this Prop 10 passes, that will put rent control on steroids. Um, you know, it's going to uh, deregulate or, or decontrol vacancies. Um, uh, so right now, somebody can, if if someone moves out and they're paying a thousand dollars a month, they can move it up to the market rent, or down to the market rent, whichever way it may go. Um, right, but under Prop 13, they could require that it stay at roughly the same rate, even though you've got a new tenant coming in. Hmm. Okay. And. So, you know, I, I want everybody to remember that about who's subsidizing who. It's a private individual subsidizing another private individual. Um, and, and so I think maybe they're going to have to be a little more selective about who they let in. Um, they're probably not going to spend as much as far as keeping it up. I can see the quality of life, quality of a neighborhood going down because of controls. Um, yeah, if your costs go up and, you know, whether it's plumbing, you know, making repairs, whatnot, and you're limited in how much you can charge in the rent, you're going to have to make choices about what to do and not do. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. And I always love to throw this out there. If you want rent control, go get yourself a 30-year fixed rate mortgage and buy a home. That, I mean, that will fix your payment for um, until 30 years. 31st year, you go down to zero. Now, that is the type of control that America was built on, home ownership, and um, uh, that's a great way to go. What else can you tell us about Prop 10 that we need to remember besides vote no? (laughs) Well, just that, you know, I guess the, the really key point here is that we have a huge, huge housing problem here in California. And going back to your economics teacher, it's all a function of supply. We do not have the supply that we need in terms of housing, particularly rental housing. And to think that imposing rent control is going to encourage builders uh, to start producing it is simply foolish. And so we go back to vote no on Prop 10. Mm-hmm. All right, we've got just a couple of minutes left, and um, I know you came all the way from Sacramento, so there's got to be some things you want our listeners to remember most about today's show. What would those be? Well, going back to Prop 5, obviously we want you to vote no on Prop 5, and there's a, a website, the campaign website is, not surprisingly, vote no on, uh, excuse me, <laughs> vote yes on prop5.com. Uh, we want you to vote no on Prop 10. And the website there is votenooonprop10.com. So, yes on five, no on ten. And and go vote. And go vote. It's very important. And, you know, uh, and I'm glad you mentioned that because we are moving to what they're now – they used to call them absentee ballots. Now it's uh, the permanent ballot. And the majority of voters now are voting. They're not going into the voting booth in November. They're voting about a month earlier. They're voting in October via their permanent ballot. So request your permanent ballot, fill it out, 
mail it in. And if you don't do that, go to the polls in November. All right. And just so you hear it again from a different voice, vote yes on Prop 5, vote no on Prop 10. And that's the real estate community saying this is what's good to keep California a vibrant, healthy, and wonderful place to live. Thank you, Christopher, for coming in, sharing your knowledge today. And we want to thank all our listeners for tuning in. Thank you, and we'll be talking to you next week. Thank you, Don.